bonus episode, we are going to talk about our uh, longtime decision to take the left turn out of the Puget Sound, Washington, down to the coast of California. So after our accident, that plan seems so far away. Yeah. So we're a little, what's the word, crestfallen after that major event because there is not a strict timeline, but there's a time you need to be out of Washington and down the coast. You need to be south of Northern California by a certain time. And that time is? Uh, It's debatable, but typically mid-October is you got to be so out of Oregon probably by late September Mm -hmm. or early October is kind of when the weather windows get smaller and smaller and the waves and storms get bigger and bigger. Scary stuff. Yeah. A high pressure system settles in for Mm. the whole winter and there will be average days gusting to 35 to 45 knots. So whenever I think of it, I kind of imagine like deadliest catch. Yeah, kind of like that. I mean, a lot of the boats are from up here. Mm -hmm. They're from Seattle. And we drove by some of them in our boat when we left Signature Yachts. Yeah, that was pretty cool. We got to see them. They were just about to head out, actually, for their their summer crab run. So, originally, we were planning to leave around late August. Mid to late August. We were thinking mid-August. But we're not sure if this accident is going to kind of delay that. Yeah. And as it stands now, we're still trying to find someone to line up for sure to install the electric engine. So we have really big things that are that we want to get done before we leave. And the time timelines are starting to look a little compressed (laughs) since the closing on the boat took almost an extra two months. Yeah. Then the electric engine work didn't get completed immediately mm-hmm. or as soon as we thought. And then the diesel engine working threw a wrench and things. And so we got time to spend learning the boat immediately instead yeah. of we thought we'd have to haul out immediately. So we've just been learning the boat and we're trying to get comfortable mm-hmm. with everything. We're trying to figure out how we can best prepare the boat for the left turn. Right. As quickly and safely as possible. Right. And we've been living aboard a little over a month now. Yeah. So whenever I think about <laughs> heading south, I do feel anxious because we haven't really hit turbulent weather here in no. the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest area. No. And it's quite possible that ocean sailing is a little less, less predictable. predictable. Yeah. Yeah. But you've been researching quite a bit. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a couple different things, a couple different ways we could go. There's kind of three different schools of thought of how best to get down to where we're going, which is our our kind of next goal, I think, is San Diego. Mm -hmm. And so there is the out and around, which is basically seven days at sea, and you go out 100 miles from shore. And you cut out at a pretty, you do a lot of beam reaching out far, which Mm -hmm. is fast sailing out away from the coast. And then 
you cut back and kind of head right towards uh, San Francisco, and you cut in there. And so you can't really show this, but <laughs> you head out from, we'd, we'd leave from Nia Bay, which mm-hmm. is kind of the typical hopping off point from the Pacific Northwest, heading south or coming north into the Salish Sea, um, into the Strait of Juan de Fuca, then Nia Bay is a great stop because there's a great anchorage and a marina and uh, fuel. So it's a good, and it's right just past Cape Flattery, so it's very close to the ocean. Right. So. It's kind of just we, where everybody yeah. takes off. Bless you, Draylon. Bless you, Draylon. Uh, so we would anchor there, most likely, mm-hmm. fuel up the next morning, or probably fuel up the night before, because I think you typically want to leave around 3 a.m., 2 or 3 a.m., just so you get out of any kind of turbulent weather coming into the Strait of Juan de Fuca that typically starts to happen around dawn. Right. Because all that ocean water is, like, flooding in. Yeah, typically is flooding in, and then the wind and waves, they just have a straight shot down the Strait of Juan de Fuca, straight towards uh, Seattle, essentially. Yeah. Or just, well, north of Seattle, but, yeah, kind of a straight shot in. So you want to typically do that kind of middle of the night-ish, and then start your way south, and the weather should build. You want to leave kind of with a high-pressure system sitting just to the north. Mm-hmm. And um, typically just after a storm or something has passed, and you follow that, and the weather that's coming behind is going to help push you south. It's all downwind sailing. And so you'd be downwind sailing. And then if you do the far up, so way one we'll mm-hmm. call it is far out you go out about 100 to 150 miles offshore and you kind of cut diagonally south uh southwest towards the coast no away, away from, from the, the coast. coast yep okay from nia bay out that way and so you cut diagonally south away from the u.s mm-hmm. and then when you reach about i think it's actually right around uh cape mendocino kind of in line with there then you switch tacks and you tack back southeast mm-hmm. towards the coast, and you should end up right around San Francisco. So a lot of people say that that's kind of the... It, it's pretty much guaranteed you're going to encounter some rough weather, but it's if you can find a good window, it's really minimized, and you don't have to really worry about the fishing boats or crab pots or anything for night sailing because mm. you're past the shelf where it drops off. But there's no stopping. But there is no stopping, because you are 100 miles from shore. So that's two days, you know, two days from shore. Yeah. So it's not like you could just hop in and take cover. So it would be at least one of us constantly keeping watch. On watch for seven days. Mm -hmm. And switching back and forth. Yeah. Seven days. About seven days at sea, yeah. So that's... One possible route, we'd have to be very comfortable with night sailing, very comfortable with the boat. We'd both have to be able to do everything right. without thinking, which is a tall order. Because and... you're not allowed to sail or boat at night in the Puget Sound or Correct, the yeah. surrounding with area. Pleasure crafts aren't really allowed to be out at night right? before sunrise. So that's... One option, I think that would probably not be our best option. Mm-hmm. There's another option where you do it in basically chunks. Mm-hmm. And so you do kind of 
the first big chunk is about a 36-hour run, and you go from Nia Bay to Newport, Port, uh, Newport, Oregon, mm-hmm. and you tuck in there. There is a pretty nasty bar that you have to cross, but if you time it Going right... Going into and, the marina, the, yeah. the current creates a sandbar. Yep. Kind of like the ocean. in the middle of the it's across it's across the whole thing it's across so bars are created by the massive outflow of water coming from inland to outland it pulls sand out and then right where it meets the ocean where the kind of tides are always pushing in all the sediment and sand that gets pulled out from rivers or estuaries or whatever is there meets that pacific surge essentially mm-hmm. and all of that sediment just builds and builds and builds and it creates a giant sandbar there which is good for safety in terms of blocking really large waves from getting in but bad that really large waves are going to hit it right <laughs> and they stack they tend to stack on on each other uh right there so it takes a lot of timing yeah, you have to be very diligent with your timing. And, I mean, if you are doing that run and avoiding rough weather, you can't really count on crossing the bar as soon as you get there. Mm-hmm. Unless you have perfect timing. Get Crossing the bar into the marina? Into the marina. Or, or coming out. I right. mean, coming out is its own thing. But, I mean, slack tides are typically good. But it depends on what the weather in the Pacific is doing as well. Bars are notoriously dangerous, but it's it's a kind of a pro-con thing, you know. Mm-hmm. There is shelter and safety on the other side of bars where the huge waves get stopped because there is this giant sandbar that kind of blocks their momentum and mm-hmm. and then obviously they on the other on the inland side of the bar they have the ability to build breakwaters and stuff like that where if they put it on the Pacific the breakwaters would just get destroyed from the right. constant pounding of massive waves that can build out there so it's kind of like a natural phenomenon that they can't stop or modify i mean you can do there are some things that can be done there are other places you could tuck in between where you could anchor but they're Mm -hmm. not super well protected and it means going in close to shore which a lot of the northern pacific coast is very rocky treacherous cliff jagged reef rock Hmm. um along along the coast so it's not really the best idea to stay really close like the rule of thumb is you got to stay about 20 miles offshore is the minimum Mm -hmm. so there's three the three different routes so one is far out 100 plus miles typically 150 to 200 if you can do it and do a nice beam reach all the way down for like three days and then re- then tack and reach back in. Mm-hmm. And that's typically kind of the fastest way to go because there's no stopping. You know, you, you go and then you tack and you come in and head in right towards San Francisco and then you can just do dead downwind when you get closer to shore or you can tuck in at San Francisco, which we kind of wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then route two is stopping minimally Mm -hmm. so it's like newport crescent city san francisco and then a hop to san diego Mm -hmm. and 
The longest one of those is about three days at sea. Three to four days at sea. Mm-hmm. And a big chunk of the time that's needed is just crossing the bars, getting back out to 20 miles out from shore. You know, it, it all takes time, yeah. especially sailing. And if you don't have perfect weather or if you get caught in low wind, mm-hmm. that can drastically change like there's a good chance you're going to end up motoring at some point just because if you're following a big storm and you're getting out of the bar at a safe time there might be low to no wind mm. which means motoring for sometimes a day yeah and um would we have enough fuel to do that well with the electric engine we we can would have the ability if we had strong sun it would change this but we would be able to motor for about 10 to 12 hours is kind of what we could do. That's how much daylight there would be. Yeah. And so night we would just probably just, if it's projected low wind, we would just fly full sails and we do somebody have a spinnaker. Launch. We have an asymmetrical spin- spinnaker as well. But we'd rather not use that. Yeah. I'm just not super comfortable with them. So it's, it's a part of our... So we're going to take a class on using the spinnaker as mm-hmm. well and get a little bit more experience before we go. Uh, but we don't have a dowsing rod. It has a uh, dowsing sock, which I've never used before. Plus, using that, you that would be the only sail that we'd have to adjust outside of the cockpit. Right. So that could be dangerous, <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah. so that sail we'd have to go up to the bow to Mm -hmm. clip into the halyard and, well, retrieve it from the sail locker, clip it into the halyard, pull the sock, and then you can raise that up and Mm -hmm. it'll pull the chute out. And then to douse it, you have to get that sock down. And it's interesting. But I've watched tons of videos, I've read all about it, but I've just never done it in person. And so we'd have to take a, we're going to get a lesson on it anyway. Um, they offer spinnaker lessons pretty much everywhere up here because right. you do a lot of spinnaker sailing in in the Puget Sound, and um, so that's option two. Option three is bar hopping, which is if you can. It's basically option three is going to take the longest and the slowest, mm. and you're going to go kind of essentially port to port and just stay twenty miles out the whole way. Uh, for option two, you go twenty to. 50 to 60 depending um miles out and then mm-hmm. option three you stay close mm-hmm. and you stay about 20 miles out the whole way and if weather looks like it's getting bad or something looks like it's coming you go to the nearest anchorage or cross a bar into uh somewhere safe and you can tuck in and generally you get a pretty good pretty good lead time mm-hmm. on things typically at this time of year the time that we're thinking of going which is like mid-august mm-hmm. and you can get four or five day windows of basically perfect downwind sailing so you can do kind of a combination of two and three but typically if you choose option one and go far out you're that's what you're doing because mm-hmm. cutting back in will take days and it'll take days off of your trip where you could just continue Right. Or add days to your trip, I mean. So, of those three options, I think we're probably going to end up going with a combination of two and three. And if it looks like we have a great window, we'll probably do at most two or three days. We'll probably do at most... Oh, animals. It's a really cool water bowl, though. 
Yeah. It's got a float in it so it doesn't spill. When you're healing? When you're healing. And you yeah. can fill it pretty full and it doesn't tip over and it doesn't drip. The animals, dog or cat, can kind of push their nose on it a little bit. And it'll flood the top of the bowl with water, enough for them to drink from. And they all learned it. We gave it to them first in the apartment. Yeah. Which is cool. Well, it's mainly for, like, a less messy water bowl, but it works perfectly for sailing. Yeah. Um, So anyway, (laughs) basically, uh, my guess is we're going to end up doing a combination of two and three. And we're going to bar hop if we feel uncomfortable or unsure. And then if it looks like we have a really good window of three days, I think the max we'll do is a three-day trip. And so we could kind of go Nia Bay to... Crescent City? No, probably Newport. Because that's 36 hours. That's going to be our first leg. It's a, It'll be our first full overnight, I would mm-hmm. assume, since we can't really do overnights. And I mean, we could do overnights in the San Juan Islands and stuff. We yeah. could... Um, do that but it'll probably be our first it'll be our first ocean overnight and so that'll be a good we're gonna make sure we have perfect weather perfect window to get to newport Mm -hmm. and if we're still looking perfect we probably could continue to crescent city but we'll see and we'll see how much fuel we use and get a good estimate of how much water we use in 36 Mm -hmm. hours how how much water the pets drink in 36 hours um and get accurate reading on, because all we can do now is kind of do trials and trial and error and see how much we're using, how much they're using. And um, so we're trying to keep track of all of that and make sure everybody's got everything they need. Yeah, we need a water maker for sure. Before Mexico, definitely. Least, yeah. I would love to get one before California, but I don't know that we're going to have time with all these other projects. Right. So what about the bars when it comes to, like, the draft of our boat? Because we have a very deep keel. Oh, the bars are, like, probably 20 feet deep still. Oh. The sandbar. They're, it's just the waves that kind of come over them. Well, yeah, so there's the Pacific Shelf is out there, and after that it drops to thousands of feet. Mm. From there, at about 20, mile, uh, 20 miles offshore, I think think the average depth is about 300 feet and then when you come in from 20 it, it's pretty there's a pretty drastic change to 100 to 20 feet mm-hmm. you know it jumps up quick and that's where big waves and stuff it's not good to go right near shore because you're going to get hit by the biggest waves just because of the waves are going to come up the shelf mm-hmm. and up the yeah they're just going to build upward because it's just big waves from basically traveling from Japan all the way to all the way to uh, the west coast, the west coast of the U.S. And they're just going to build higher and higher. When they hit that shelf, they are going to go upward, mm-hmm. and then wind and everything else like that is going to just add to that and adjust with that. So, so we do hear a lot of horror stories, mainly coming north from California to Washington. Yeah, but I don't know. It's it's scary, but we're pretty confident our boat will be fine. Yeah. Which means we should be fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see how the boat reacts in certain situations. And we, we I mean, gotta, the boat's done it before. Right, the boat has gone to and from Hawaii. Right. From Seattle. Yeah. And then back to Seattle. And 
it's well they held did up. have except for that one rigging failure they had a rigging failure off of hawaii in about 50 knots mm-hmm. um but the rigging was redone since then and it's we're gonna have it inspected again before we leave but it was inspected in 2021 it was all new rigging and then also reinforced plates uh behind all of the shrouds right and then the we have to actually when we get the boat hauled out for the after the accident Mm -hmm. we have to have them check under the the forestay and make sure that the forestay is reinforced and and looks good yeah hopefully yeah we've got a lot to do in a short amount of time and then we might have to learn a whole new engine system very quickly Right. Which shouldn't be too bad. I mean, as a worst case, we would probably end up buying a generator anyway. Mm -hmm. Even just a mobile generator that we could use to charge the electric batteries. If we go that route, if we still have the diesel engine, we're going to be bringing extra diesel. So, because we have a 53-gallon tank, which gets us roughly in semi-ideal conditions, about we can get about 200 miles on a gallon, or on a tank. And how how many miles is the whole trip? To San Diego? 1,400? Oh, 1,500? Somewhere around there, I believe. Actually, I should probably double check. I think it's about 1,500 miles. That's a lot. Yeah. That's more sailing than many people do in their, like, lifetime. Yeah, it's 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 a big trip. Big trip, but... You know, it it's done. People the do boat it all has the done time. It. People do it every year. Hundreds of boats do it every year. Yeah. Um, and smaller. Generally, what we've heard is you want at least roughly a thirty-six foot boat to do this trip mm-hmm. comfortably. And adding on length at the waterline makes it more comfortable. So, thirty-six feet. A thirty-six foot boat probably has a waterline of thirty-two feet. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Our boat has a waterline of 40, 43 ish. It's 44 in the brochure. The length overall is 44 something in the brochure, so it's. Hull length is 44. 44. So that's the hull length. That's not the length of the waterline. Oh, sorry. So it'll be about two feet less than that, probably. So 42, 3. So basically, the length of the waterline over 32 feet Trailing. is is more comfortable so just the bigger boat you get the more comfortable it's going to be yeah we do have a deep draft keel mm-hmm. which is beneficial in this type of sailing um, our boat is considered a light displacement boat but it is about it displaces about twenty four thousand pounds roughly so it is right on the heavier side of light displacement and we have a uh it's a fin with bulb, but not a typical fin with bulb. It's not a skinny fin with a, a oval keel? bulb. Yeah. Right. Uh, the keel is, almost looks like a wing keel, I would say, but it's got a 6,700-pound ballast of lead at the bottom. So it is... Heavy. Heavy. <laughs> yeah. And it it's, the keel is larger than a typical fin keel and gives you a little bit more wetted surface area. So what... What do you think is going to be, like, our biggest challenge? And what do you think is going to be fairly easy? In terms of? Doing this passage. Uh, our biggest challenge is just going to be, I think, our nerves. Mm-hmm. Because. I'm anxious. Right. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> um, 
I think just the more we know and the more we sail the boat, mm-hmm. the better and better we're going to be. So we need to be sailing a lot. But we're not sure if we can sail. But we're not sure if we can sail. Accident. Right. At least the head sail. Right. So cool. You know, winning there. <laughs> and then the easiest. I think the boat is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. No matter what. Right. Essentially, like the. There's a certain point if our boat heals too much, it's mm-hmm. gonna just tip itself back up. That's mm-hmm. just what it's designed to do. So it would take waves, I'm trying to remember the math. We would basically have to take a thirty foot wave on our beam to risk capsizing. And so that is very, very unlikely. And also we would have to have extremely high wind with that, which would mm-hmm. cause us to heal at basically our 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 writing angle and then the wave would push us over it's basically the only way we could capsize so i think the boat is going to be fine because we will not be out in those conditions and if those conditions come up we will heave to and not catch them on the beam right but we've seen like videos where they actively are trying to capsize boats mechanically yeah and it's nearly impossible. And even if it does capsize, it's going to eventually right itself. Yeah. And it seems extremely unlikely that the cabin would ever fill even halfway with water. Right. But we do have the life raft. We do have a life raft. We do have an EPIRB. We do have, or we're going to be getting Starlink, mm-hmm. which will give us internet. Pretty much reliable internet, definitely 20 miles offshore, maybe not 60 miles offshore, but Mm -hmm. semi-reliable internet. And then we have the, um, we have like a mobile hotspot thing, which we'd be able to kind of text or whatever. Help, we're (laughs) dying. No, I mean, (laughs) the EPIRB, if we activate the EPIRB, it's someone's We'll always be in in reach of Coast Guard or some other boat or something. Yeah. Um, and then every animal has its life jacket. Yeah. We should be fine. Right. We're If weather looks sketchy, we're not going to go out. We're not going to put any of our lives at risk. And no. to me, like, I definitely want to make sure the animals are comfortable. Because they didn't really choose this. No. So their comfort and safety, we definitely kind of put over our own. <laughs> Toby and Draylon are like play fighting at the moment. So <laughs> playing around and running around as we're recording this. So I don't know. I'm a little nervous. I mean, anybody, whether you're seasoned sailor or, or green like us, is gonna be nervous and yeah. and everything. But it still seems like a long way off, even though it's probably gonna come quick. Yeah. But I think our challenge right now is not knowing what we don't know. Right. And and trying to get as much experience as we can. Trying to experience... Rougher in, weather. Ru- rougher weather and just talking to people. But that's hard sometimes because there's been a lot of people that, like, reassure us and, like, oh, you'll be fine. It's not that bad. A lot and, of people say, oh, we've done it. A bunch of times yeah. and, and we've come back in less than ideal time of year and yeah. our boat was fine and but then you get the other you know people who are like oh my god like don't do it you should really stay up here for a year and learn your boat better and yeah like 
If if we were buying a boat that hadn't done this kind of trip and we weren't sure of its seaworthiness and things like that, it would be a slightly or different story. Or an older story. boat. Or an older boat that needed kind of major repairs or anything. Uh, but but we picked our... Toby. Toby. But we picked our boat pretty carefully with things. We wanted a boat that had done kind of heavier weather sailing and had done... Or could even or do. Or could do. Yeah. Um, and so this boat has been put through its paces already and has proven to hold up even in 50 knots. They lost one shroud, but the mast stayed up and mm-hmm. they were able to continue sailing. So it's... And then the plates were reinforced yeah. and um, the rigging was redone. So we're pretty comfortable in terms of that the boat will be fine. Oh, yeah. The boat's going to be fine. And we're pretty sure that we're not going to leave the boat because we have right. heard kind of horror stories about that where people get into rough seas and they freak out and they get in their life raft and disappear. And the life rafts and aren't the, found and the boat is found, found floating. And fine. Yeah. So that is one of the one of the things that's kind of has been stressed on us is if the boat floats stay with it no matter mm-hmm. how rough it gets because water inside a little bit of water inside is manageable i feel like it would float even if it was full of water like i don't feel like it would sink the way that it's designed it seems like it's going to retain buoyancy to yeah to a point i mean we have the bilge pumps <laughs> little bilge pump just like pumping out I mean, like it pumps a cabin lot. <laughs> Pumps a lot, and then we have a manual bilge pump too, built in. That sounds exhausting. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's exhausting. It's like Kevin from the office when they're doing the CPR training. I'll do like five pumps. I'll be like, "Call it, Kyle. It's going down." You'll be like, "It's fine. Just keep going." <laughs> then we do have a a backup bilge pump on board as well. If we ever run into issues with our installed one, we'll be all right. Yeah. It's the first thing you want to do in California. Um, I mean, the first place we go in California is probably going to be Crescent City, so I don't even know what's there. Go to a white sand beach, I guess. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. And actually go in the water. Yeah. Because we're big on going into up the here water. so far. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. We haven't gone into the water, and I don't know that we have a desire to. No. It's quite cold, even in the high of summer. We've heard, yeah. I'm not going in the water. Mm-mm. 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 So, yeah, maybe California would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. What about you? I really want to sail under the Golden Gate. I do, too. But I hear it more often than not, it's foggy, and you can't even see the bridge. <laughs> maybe we'll get lucky. That's kind of what I've heard. And that it's a particularly difficult sail. We'll motor sail, and it'll be just for show. Yeah, yeah. But it'll be, it'll be a really big accomplishment. I yeah. mean... Thinking back, like, a couple months ago, when this wasn't even a plan or a thought, to even make it this far, it's huge. Yeah. So, I say that's a win. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, we'll be fine. The animals don't drive us nuts first. <laughs> They're fun to watch. They just They're so kinda... playful for older cats. <laughs> they are. Well, that means, maybe that means they're happy on the boat. Yeah. Or they're frustrated and they're beating the crap out of each other because they're like i hate it here and they're like i do too oh all right well i guess that's it for this bonus episode so cheerful one yeah yeah